This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. We are thrilled that um, we have listeners that are engaging with us. And I just want to encourage our listeners to go to our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And if you have never been on that website before, a flag is going to pop up. And that flag can take you to some information that is very important to the heart of I Work For Him, and that is our nation covenant. And that nation covenant is just an opportunity for you to make a commitment to the Lord that says, you know what, I'm going to pray for my coworkers and employees. I'm going to just make some life commitments that can really transform our workplace by transforming your heart. So take a look at that flag. Don't be afraid to click on it. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to bite you. It doesn't cost you anything. In fact, we like to send you a little um, letter in the mail with a sticker that just is a just kind of a, um, a reminder that of what you've committed to. And you'll get an email from Jim as well when you Yeah, that's you right. Love up. sending those emails out. In fact, we send them out all over the world. It's been incredible. Yes. All right. Listen, as a Jesus following business owner or organizational leader, you need to pl- you need a place to go where you can meet like-minded people just like you in order to get a proper perspective on running your business with a kingdom mindset to build a kingdom company. How do you run a great organization, maximize your profit and impact them and, and impact the world while maintaining and growing your faith. C12 Group has been facilitating roundtable discussion groups for Christ followers who run organizations, business owners, and leaders for over 25 years. The impact of the involvement in these groups with is gone to thousands and thousands of members around the country, and it's been truly remarkable. When a Christ-following leader understands that a kingdom perspective it's just amazing the impact that it makes on their lives. And it, and when they start to understand the true meaning of stewardship, the company that they run, they're turned around and their lives are changed. Today, we're off in Jacksonville, Florida, talking with Brett Kirkland with the C12 Group, along with one of his members, Joel Marquis, with Legacy in Action. Brett and Joel, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. We're excited to be here today, and we want to hear more of Joelle's story, Brett. But before we do, I want to start, I want to ask a couple of C12 questions. Now, how long have you been with C12 now? I've been officially a chair for a year, but I was a member for two years prior to that. All right. So, you're, but how are you feeling about the officially a chair for a year? I mean, are you feeling pretty good about it now? Uh, starting to get traction. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, all the guys told me about spiritual warfare, uh, but you don't know what they're talking about until you're in the trenches. Uh, so there is definite spiritual warfare. I mean, how many Christian business owners and leaders need to be involved in a C12 group? Oh, uh, the, all Christian. There you go. See. Okay. All right. That yeah. was a trick question. Right. Yeah. All of them do. Yet how many of them realize that? You know, it, it, there's nothing to compare it to. I think Joel will agree. You, it's not like a Bible study at church and it's not like a, a, a mastermind group uh, in the secular world. It's a, a blending of the two. So there's really no point of reference that the typical CEO has to call from oh, yeah. when, when we're talking to them. So it, it, we, we do give a free meeting, you know, as a guest, just to give them a test drive uh, for that purpose. Hey, just come test drive it. And, uh, and see what you think. So. And, and that power, that is a powerful thing. As Martha and I have gotten to be involved in many C12 group conversations as we've traveled across the country. And it is powerful. We have interviewed, Brett, I don't know, 50 or 60 C12 
different C12 shows. We've interviewed hundreds of C12 members, and they all say very consistently that one day a month that they spend being in a C12 group is the most powerful day of the month. It's the most valuable day of the month, and they wouldn't give it up for anything. That's right. Best investment that they make. That's right. Not many people could say that about their roundtable discussion group. That's right. Yeah, and, and I hear the same thing from our, our members. It's almost like a respite from their typical day-to-day. Well, it gets them away from being involved in the business to getting working on the business. And as I find, when I'm away from my day-to-day, I actually get to start focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on, yeah. running that business. All right, so why did you become a C12 chair? It was definitely a calling. Okay. And it was a calling I kind of ran from uh, for a little while. Um, Bob Shallows, the managing chair here in Jacksonville, and uh, I was a member of his group, and we just started talking about what if. And I had a, a good job with Marketplace Chaplains uh, serving in the workplace uh, ministry. Mm-hmm. And We uh, love Marketplace Chaplains here on I Work For Him. Yep. And uh, as we wrestled with it, it just became clear that I was supposed to make that change and and the confirmation came when my wife said that we're supposed to do this. So it's just a clear calling from, from God and from my wife. You know that, but that is a huge part of it because you know what, as we've discovered, if you're going to, you being unified in what God has you doing, even if you're not doing it together, but agreeing that is the place that God wants you to be. Um, it makes the transition at home a little less spiritual warfare at home, at least. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, and how many times did your wife say, okay, we should do this before you actually agree with her? Um, that's a good question. Jim. <laughs> well, uh, was it the first time she said, Brett, this is it. We should do this. When she said it, this was it. We had, we had talked about it for mm-hmm. months, maybe even a year or two. And, um, and she hasn't, hadn't come up with an answer just yet. And then when she finally said, uh, you know, I, I believe the Lord has told me this is it. Um, it, it was time. You heard her. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. Well, why don't you introduce our guest for today? Well, uh, our guest for today is Joel Marquis. Uh, Joel and I met as we were kind of starting our group in Fleming Island mm-hmm. and, uh, and she didn't know if it was for her. And, uh, so we talked through it. I, I asked her just to come to a meeting and, uh, she did. And then the second month she brought her husband with her. And, uh, so I got two for the price of one and, uh, it was, uh, uh, just great for getting me started, uh, with a brand new group, mm-hmm. having somebody of her caliber, uh, to come alongside and join us in that effort was uh, amazing. So good to have them a part of our group. Well, Joelle Markey, we're glad to have you here and I work for him today. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. So let's just hear about a little bit of your story as, you know, when he says a person of your caliber, you're involved in, uh, you've done some high powered business transactions in your life. I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're in, in that private equity world. That is, a, it's a high-powered, fast-moving, sometimes cutthroat kind of world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk about how hard is it to be a Jesus follower in that world. But first, as we do with every first-time guest on our work for him, how did you become a Jesus follower? Well, I was I was born into it to begin with. You know, my parents, but I I would say probably about seven years or so ago. I began to work with a particular nonprofit in our community called Mercy Support Services, and the leadership of that organization really helped me to figure out how to take my faith and apply it and mm. and to learn more about how to have a relationship with Jesus, and they demonstrated what that meant and really walked 
that the beautiful components of that relationship. And um, I would say it was probably about seven years ago, really just that unbirthing. And what was the name of that organization that walked alongside you? Mercy Support Services. Mercy Support Services. And so they actually worked with you to help you figure out how to live out your faith in your work. Well, I was on the, I had volunteered with them. I had a couple weeks break over Christmas at that particular point in time and was looking for a nonprofit to help. And so I went in and offered to give them a hand. They were an early stage organization and I have expertise in working with and building organizations. So I went in and helped them for a little while and very quickly it became apparent that the Lord had placed me there, um, not just to help them, but for them to help me as well with my walk. So is that there is that part? I'm just curious if that's part of their mission or is it just because they were living it out that you caught, you know, the, this this relationship ish aspect of. Yeah. Of so the mission of the organization is to help people in crisis. And okay. so people who need assistance, whether it's um, with housing or cars or childcare, they're in the community to help people in the, in the community. And so it was really more a matter of being around people okay. who had such a strong faith walk mm-hmm. and wanting more of that mm-hmm. and then learning how I could follow some of the, their practices. And it just kind of, you know, blossomed yes. very rapidly from you know there. I love it when we hear from people that say that we um, you know you went there to serve mm-hmm. but in fact your life was never the mm-hmm. same as a result absolutely so. Brett here's a question for you are uh, how many C12 groups do you have that are you you're running right now I have two CEO groups okay and that I'm building and a key players group do you have any room in your C12 in your uh, uh, CEO groups I do have a couple seats remaining in my first group Okay, and then I'm, I have a small second group that I'm I'm just now building up. Okay, so in that first group, what day of the week do they meet, or what day of the month do they meet? Uh, it's the third Thursday of each month. And then the other group you have is what day? Uh, the third Wednesday of each month. Okay, back so, to back days. So the third week of the month, you're very very busy. That's right. All right, so uh, tell people what, what who who's a perfect candidate that somebody should be checking out. Somebody should be coming and visiting one of your groups on either the third Wednesday or the third Thursday. Uh, Kind of the, the C12 standard is a million or more in annual revenue, five or more employees. So it's where our materials and the peer interaction make the most sense mm-hmm. at that level. So, okay. But if somebody, let's just say that somebody's got a high level of profitability and they got a couple million dollars in revenues and they only, they only have 10 employees, can they still benefit? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the benefit is the diversity that's in the room. Um, you, you know, we have big businesses and we have small businesses. But the truth is, as believers, we can all benefit from one another. Oh, for sure. So just speak it out there to our listeners. If they are intrigued at all by even as this conversation continues today and they go, man, I wonder if this is something for me or my organization. Maybe it's for somebody else within the organization based on, you know, wherever the listener is um, at. Speak to our listeners. Encourage them how they can get involved. Uh, They can go to our website, c 12 group.com mm-hmm. uh, each um, uh, franchise if you will has a, a, a landing page uh, on the on the national website and they could go to northeast florida see a profile on me and the other two chairs here in town so and, isn't it c12 jacks 
uh, is Northeast Florida. Northeast Florida. Mm-hmm. Northeast Florida. So, and if these are listeners that are up in Virginia on the radio, we there are C12 groups up there, we know, and mm-hmm. as well as in the Tampa area and all over the country. So, we just right. want to encourage our listeners, if you're hearing this on a podcast later, to um, check out that website, c12group.com. Look for your area and see if there's a group that maybe you can um, inquire about and see if it's a, a great fit for your Check it out for a, for a day and, and just mm-hmm. really see how it fits you. I mean, there's some there's some great conversations. The topics are unbelievable. Okay, back to Joelle Marquis. All right, so you you started working with Mercy Support Services just to help them out, which <laughs> they ended up helping you out. Talk to us about that that point in time when you realized this work that you're doing, which is in New York, but you live here in Florida, and the work that you're doing with Legacy in Action. At what point in time did you realize that your work mattered to God, and and you were able to connect it and see the intricate connections between your faith and your work? Yeah, so I think that there were a couple of projects that we were working on in the very early stages of Legacy in Action, and that helped me to see how the body of work that we were doing locally was something that was really God-driven. I mean, there was there was just absolutely no other explanation for some of the timing of the things that were occurring and unfolding in front of us. And I began to really challenge myself to think about how do I take what I'm learning here locally and apply it to my workplace in private equity and having more conversations with people in the private equity space, seeking out like-minded individuals, people who also shared the same faith-based principles and values. It's become a very strong um, point of focus in my interactions and engagements. And we, very interestingly enough, given our core values and principles in our private equity firm, which I believe in very strongly and have had a very large part in crafting. Mm-hmm. When we have built our firm, we've really applied those values to our hiring practices and have been able to hire far above our heads, um, even early on in the firm as we were growing and find people with very similar um a very similar heart mm. and in a lot of instances find out later that that they are strong Christians and have um, have a very strong walk with that's them. awesome what you just said hiring way above your heads I mean that's the real true gift as a leader is to hire people way smarter than you mm-hmm. that work for you mm-hmm. I mean that's where real successful companies come from isn't it it absolutely is and it, it can be technical skills and competencies or it can be their spirit and kind of where they are in their walk. And some people don't necessarily refer to it as, you know, their walk with Jesus. And it's difficult to suss that out in an interview process, but in the workplace, particularly in private equity, it's really trying to find the core values that are very much aligned Mm -hmm. with your values. And, and locally it's a lot easier in the Florida area with legacy in action to, calibrate on individuals and find out if they have the same faith that share those faith values more specifically. So you've referred to legacy in action several times. Tell us what that is and where that idea came from. Sure. So a couple of years ago, um, we started doing some work for Mercy Support Services, and they really needed to boost up their operating funds. And is that locally here in Jacks? It is. Okay, it's so make sure Orange people know. Park okay. area. All right. Yep. Okay. And they needed to boost their operating funds, and so we kind of looked around and said, "What assets do we have that we could 
um, really helped to improve and get some additional value from. And we had a, a home and we decided we would put some volunteers from the community together and remodel that home and sell it. Mm-hmm. And so we did that and we were able to produce six figures for them in, in value, in added um, cash flow. And then shortly thereafter... So you helped them remodel a house, flip the house, flip and, the house. and it, made a hun- oh, it made over $100,000 for this ministry. That's a whole lot easier than having a banquet. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> well, I don't know about easier, but more lucrative. Or oh, no. It involves less people, for sure. No food. And, I mean, wow. It was fast. Brilliant. It was a whole lot faster than putting a there banquet together. Go. It was a 10-day process. We had no idea really? it would turn into a 10-day process, but it all occurred in 10 days from concept to sale of the house, actually. I mean, God was just wow. there through the entire process. Wow. Yeah. And then we had another um, story where there was a couple who had never had children and they were going to be adopting two teenagers from the Ukraine Mm -hmm. and they needed a bigger place to live while they were in the Ukraine. We called them and asked them if they minded if we looked for a home for them and talked through the criteria that they would need with these teenage boys coming back from the Ukraine and they eventually said, okay, here's the criteria. (laughs) And we said, well, we'll keep an eye out for a home. Well, we found one. It was a short sale house and we purchased the house. And by the time they had come back from the Ukraine, we had completely renovated the house with, uh, again, some amazing Christian volunteers, renovated the house, moved their belongings out of their prior home and into the new house. And when, and rented out their old home for them. And when they came back from um, the Ukraine, we picked them up at the airport and drove them to their new house that was fully decorated um, and actually had a surprise party for them when they came in. That is absolutely amazing. So you saw these these examples and then turned it into something and and said, said, hey, what are we doing? There's something here. (laughs) Yeah, there's something here. And, you know, we keep praying about how are we supposed to be using our gifts and said, you know, perhaps what we're supposed to be doing here after lots of of asking, seeking and knocking, Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's use our talents to start a business. So instead, Jim, as you said, of having, you know, uh, putting on a golf tournament or some kind of an event to raise funds, let's go ahead and start businesses because that's what we're gifted with. Mm -hmm. And let's use the proceeds from the business to help the community. And so we use the proceeds. um, Right now we're using a large part of the proceeds to grow the business, but we are also doing a lot of work in the community to help individuals and families. And that's amazing. The step of faith that that family had to have in you to take their home, rent it out, buy them a new home, remodel it probably, and set it up and decorate it while they're adopting. As if that's not stressful enough. Yes. Yes. And so how's that worked out? Do they still like the house or? Oh, they love the house. (laughs) They love the house. What a blessing. And you, and you got people that put skin in the game in a whole new way. I mean, that's a part that I'm sitting here getting excited about is the fact that, you know, it's not just writing a check. It's giving mm-hmm. of your time and in a little sweat equity, as you can say, that really pays off because then they're now probably feeling very connected to that family 
might pray for them and might do other things as well. Absolutely. Hey, we're in Jacksonville, Florida today talking with Brett Kirkland from the C12 group. And we've got Joel Marquis from Legacy in Action. Uh, Brett, before we go to the break here really quick, uh, let's talk about you've got some openings and some C12 groups here. Who would be a perfect candidate, 30 seconds or less, somebody that should be calling you on your cell phone to join C12 today? We could use uh, people in manufacturing. We could use uh, some accounting or, or financial advisors. Uh, a staffing agency would be great to be represented in our group uh, because we do have a lot of blue collar owners. And what number should they call? Uh, they should call your, don't you give out your cell phone number on your website? Uh, I can't remember if it's on there, but I, can I give it here? Yeah, give it now. Uh, I'm in, I'm in Florida, but I still have my Georgia number, 229-869-2550. One more time. 229-869-2550. You've you've been running a C12 group now for about, you got two groups, two CEO roundtable groups, and then a key player group. Talk to us about the key, the value of the key player group for that CEO or organizational leader. Well, C12 has been around about 30 years. So kind of early on, they realized that a CEO would come to a meeting, get filled up with a bunch of great information, go back to work the next day and get sucked into the day-to-day grind and would not be able to implement some of the things that he or she was able to glean from the meeting. Mm-hmm. So what the key player program gets, uh, gives us the opportunity to do is give some of your second tier staff as many as you want to put in. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've, I've got a buddy who put 10 of his key reports in a key players group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now a chair. And, uh, but it, it gives um, you an opportunity to put key people uh, in a group that hear the same information they go through the same curriculum for the day, but then their approach is different than the CEO approach where we use the key player as a development piece to work with a key player, work with the CEO to try to develop the key players in areas they need to shore up blind spots they may have. So it gives the CEO additional hands and feet and minds to capture the C12 material and the things that we're learning and doing and put it into practice more quickly. And really, it creates accountability because yeah. they've heard it and they're like, hey, yeah. you know, we we learned last month that, you know, we should be dealing with this issue mm-hmm. and that great accountability. And then also not having to go back and and re-explain it to right. all of the people that need to be influenced by that decision. So it, it's one of it two, acceler- we call it one of our two accelerators, uh, accelerating what we're doing. Sure. The other is uh, having a chaplain program. Mm, in your the, business. The Chaplain Program, which we can maybe talk about that maybe a little later on in the show. You brought Joel Marquis on the show today. Right. Why? What's the big why? What was it about Joel that you said, Jim, they, the I Work Frame audience needs to hear her story? Well, you mentioned earlier, um, I think Joel did about hiring up. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we try to do that as C12 shares too. We try to make sure we're staffing our, our groups, are filling our groups with with high level talent and uh, because they're going to be speaking into each other's lives. Well, we, you know, we, we can't do it on our own. So the Lord brings to us who we need for our groups mm-hmm. uniquely. And he brought Joel and, and, and ultimately Ken as well, her husband, and that they've just done amazing things through legacy in action. And, uh, and most recently two of our, uh, another member along with Joel and Ken, uh, saw that they could do more together than separate. So they've joined forces. So that's an, another reason, mm-hmm. not only the great work they're doing with Legacy in Action, but also just to see what God's done just in a short amount of time 
with these two organizations joining forces. So, Joel, let's just dig a little deeper in your story, because you mentioned something in the last segment that kind of keyed up another question. But I want to make sure that well, before I even go to my question, respond to that. What was it about C12 that you said, this is something I could use? Yeah, I think it was having people who were going to hold us accountable for how we accomplished the things we were doing. You know, lots of businesses focus on what you're accomplishing, you have core metrics, et cetera, but it was having an environment of people who were going to relationally hold us accountable and and also for the means in which we accomplished our objectives. And so I think that was one of the primary things. And to have a safe environment where you can really kick thoughts and ideas around with folks who have like mind is very important. And, you know, there's a lot of push and pull in, in those groups. So and there's a, a lot of value. It's there. a private discussion too. I mean, those are what's said in the round table group doesn't go anywhere else. I mean, you've got a secure table there. Yep. It's like having your own board of directors. It is. It, uh, yes. Except that it's a group that is um, ultimately going to have you go ahead and take the actions and have the, have the accountability. A lot of times a board of directors has some accountability to another entity. And in this case, you know, it's entirely on you. And if, and you choose, you choose at the end of the day, what things you're going to go ahead and take from that group or not take from that group. So just for our audience sake, um, you've been involved with C12 for how long? Uh, About just about a year. A year, and you and your husband are both members, we or are. okay, in the same group. We or two, okay, very good. So you have huge accountability there when we, you get done. <laughs> we do, and we. It was a very conscious decision to join the same group mm-hmm. um, because our schedules are so crazy. Yeah. We thought, you know, mm. let's just take this one day a month and really process the way in which we're leading our business. Let's do that together rather than creating another time where we got to try to sit down and go through it. And so it's been incredibly valuable. I think it's. Um, you know, Brett mentioned the word accelerator. I think being together in those meetings has been an accelerator for our business. I was just thinking the word exponential. So Mm -hmm. exactly the same thing. You're just, and I get, I can imagine it goes even into your dinner conversation on those days. Uh, It's like, okay, there's so much we just learned and covered. So that's great. All right. So you mentioned something to us off the air about what, as we're getting ready for the show today, you have uncovered a model for developing Christ-centered businesses. Well, let's talk about that model because you've, I mean, to me, it's a kingdom principle. What you, what you've, what you told me was a kingdom principle, but talk to us about this, how we can replicate what you're doing. And first of all, what it is you're doing. I mean, you've developed a business that's doing X and we want to replicate that. So you're, you got a business that, that gives back. So, The business is really intended to provide funds for giving. So one of our three core principles is that we provide self-funded giving. And, you know, you mentioned earlier kind of putting on an event to help raise funds for a nonprofit. There's a lot of effort that goes into that. And so rather than doing that, we started these businesses with the purpose of giving back. And I think for um, the community to understand how we've built this model, you know, applying our best skills and gifts that God has given us in a way that allows us to have a profit and then turn those profits back into helping the community. I believe, you know, 
we're really working to set this up as something that can be replicable and organizations can choose a a specific nonprofit that they want to shepherd or help. They can do that in a number of ways, but one of them is certainly with the profits and proceeds from their business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we are a kingdom building business, we're doing that with a particular nonprofit. In this case, it's Mercy Support Services, since they've given so much to us and to our community, we're continuing to support them. But we also do things with um, microloans. We help families that are in need, people who are really struggling to make kind of cross the bridge financially. Mm -hmm. They may have had a foreclosure or gone through a bankruptcy. And there's a period of time, for instance, where they can't own their own home. We will help get them into a home on kind of a rental basis, but set them up with some financial training, have them go through a Dave Ramsey financial peace program, for instance, and bridge them over to the other side where they're then able to be more um, self-sufficient. You know, one of the things that I think really sets you apart and why it's exciting for our listeners to hear about this is the fact that, number one, you guys have a very collaborative spirit. This isn't about you just you know mm-hmm. putting more money in your bank account. And it's being generous with your time and the skills that God's given you. But then also um, this whole idea that, you know, if we can, we can figure this out, it's a good model. Why not? Tell more people. And so I, I just I just want to highlight the fact that we we believe that God created us to be collaborative and to to, you know, help other people with things that you've reinvent. You know, you figured it out the hard way or somebody else figured it out the hard way. So I just want to celebrate that a little bit, that um, the uh, the willingness to um, just be generous and, and see where needs are and fill those needs. And so that's great. Well, and, and really, it's the early church model. Mm -hmm. It is, Mm -hmm. it is what I believe it's what God intended is that God intended to bless you, not to, so you'll build a $5 billion mansion, but he blessed you so you could bless others. Correct. And he gives some people minds like yours and he gives other people minds like mine and yours makes more money. So, and and that's, and that's okay, but you can share that money, which is, which is fantastic. So the, the ministries are really benefiting, but you know, let's talk about, you come from a rough and tumble world. You've got a pretty heavy background. Um, The world of private equity private investment, um, it's pretty cutthroat. It doesn't necessarily have a reputation for being real mm, kingdom-minded or even gracious or full of mercy. I mean, it tends to be a all for me and one for me kind of a place. Although, I mean, yes, they're helping businesses go, but it's always about the big return on investment. How do you live out your faith in that world? And maybe I've colored it wrong, so you can, you can correct me. That's fine. But talk to me about that. You've, how, you've been in that world since out of college? Kind of thing? Uh, no, for the last 16 years. So oh, that's a long time. Okay. I did a lot of other things before that. But um, the, I think that your color commentary there on the private equity firm is fair. I think it's one that certainly a lot of people share. There is absolutely, from where I'm sitting, a shift going on. I think mm-hmm. people are, more people are speaking of their faith. They're sharing their faith. There's a, I'm going to call it a, a higher courage factor among um, the participants in private equity. The way that I have always, from the very beginning, kind of merged my two worlds together, if you will. My dad was a firefighter. And most private equity funds are getting investments from pension funds or um, from large institutions. And pension funds are 
they need to make investments in order to help the funds be there when their participants retire. Right. And so in a way, my dad and and my family have been beneficiaries of the private equity model because a lot of them do invest in private equity. And so for me, it's making sure that those funds are there for people when they do retire. And, you know, most of the pension funds are out there for people in blue collar jobs who are not going to have the opportunity to to make a whole lot of money. They want a comfortable middle, you know, middle class living and being able to provide those funds back to those people is very important. Of course, that whole retirement conversation on this show goes a whole lot of different directions just because I don't believe that the the whole American dream of retirement is not a biblical dream of retirement. But if somebody could take their skills of the workplace and apply them during retirement by mentoring and discipling people that are coming up, now that's retirement. C12 group could use a whole... And, what? and be financially prepared right. for it. Right. That's have somebody part. else support Correct. them, their pension, their 401k to support them while they go off and become maybe a C12 chair. So, Brett, before we get back to Joel, talk to me about, you know, a lot of your C12 members start to hear about this thing called chaplaincy in the marketplace. Corporate chaplains, marketplace chaplains, lots of other organizations. How does a chaplain help your C12 member do a better job? What? CEOs who have a heart for them people, you know, once you start getting above about 10 or 11 employees, they can't pastor that many anymore. No, they can't. Right. So uh, again, uh, a a good solid chaplain organization coming in who have skilled, trained chaplains to care for employees uh, in their work environment, uh, not only help extend the heart of care of the CEO, but, but, you know, there's this old saying, what you measure and give attention to tends to improve over time. Well, the, the chaplain organizations gives the CEO tools, gives the CEO reporting on what's taking place so that they're able to measure their effectiveness of ministry within their organization better. But it, it all goes down to deepening relationships in the organization because uh, having a chaplain on the staff ends up being a benefit that people really take advantage of. That's right. And, but it's that having a local pastor that actually cares about them. And that, that's, I mean, the, uh, the, per, the business owner leader is the pastor to their people. That is their mission field. It's the, it is their ministry, their business tree that they're running. But as you say, as they get too many people, they can no longer touch them all at one time. That's right. But then they can hire supervisors and managers that can also minister to those people, but having a chaplain on there, that that's their only focus, the heartfelt needs of those people. Right. It makes a big difference, doesn't it, in those companies? It does, and, and the care extends past the work site, mm-hmm. you know, because no matter where you, your immediate family members are around the country, like marketplace chaplains, they're there. So if your right. brother gets hit by a pink submarine in Albuquerque, New Mexico, they can have a marketplace That would be an chaplain. incredible freak of nature. It would, wouldn't it? Yes. I'm trying to figure out why it had to That be was pink. a really good pretend example. Sorry. But a marketplace chaplain can be by your brother or sister's bedside in a matter of uh, you know, minutes. And the reality, Jim, is that the reason, one of the reasons that we're so passionate about chaplaincy is for ourselves is that we know that in America, less and less people have a church they're connected to. That's right. And so they're, they're lost. In those times of crisis, they don't know where to turn. And here, the, these, you know, the, the employers are supplying that. They're supplying a place of refuge for these people in their time of crisis that can really be handled because as an owner of an organization, you may not be able to handle 
the hundred employees crises mm-hmm. that are going on. So you bring in somebody that can. So. And, em- and employees don't really want you to know their junk no. of life either no. a- as their CEO, because yep. you may not get the next raise or promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having an objective third party like a like a chaplain mm-hmm. uh, creates an opportunity for that employee to get cared for. All right, we've you invited in here, Joelle Marquis, right from Legacy in Action, one of your members. What, what's you know, what's one thing you want to? Why, Joelle? Why? Well, not only do they run a, a fabulous business, but over the past year, I've also seen how God's used C twelve to to move them closer to Himself. Mm. Her and her husband Ken. So it's it's been twofold. So, Joelle, share with our listeners what it is that they can they can learn what it, about the heart of what's going on with you, your organization, the people. I think that there's one thing I would love for people to walk away with. I think it's the beauty of having a faith based culture, mm. and you know, knowing that your peers have your back, knowing that when you know you may be steering down a wrong path, they're going to come check you and get you back on the right track towards the gospel and following the gospel. And, you know, having a culture where we're challenging each other to consider the larger purpose of why we're here, why we're doing the things that we're doing. It's not just about earning money, you know, or gaining status. It's making sure that, um, you know, which obviously most businesses do, it's making sure that we're actually stewarding what God has given us, that we're pouring back into the people around us, back into the community, where, you know, we're reaching back and lifting someone else mm-hmm. up and giving them help. And I think love is really the most effective form of, it, of evangelism and building mm-hmm. the kingdom. And so, you know, building a culture that has love and faith at its base. Uh, the tweetable tweet. I know we're Joelle both Marquis. we're both writing this down. Joel Marquis, love is the most, most effective, effective form of evangelism. evangelism. That's very. I very don't good. even know if you realized you just said that. We we're both like writing it down. That, that, was a good one. that is very powerful. All right. Thank so you. So we want to. I mean, let me just ask you some personal woman questions. All right. You're uh, you're married to Ken. Do you have children as well? Yes. Okay. So and you, one of them is in the business. Wow. On a full time basis, and another one of them works for us part time. Okay, so how do you separate business from family? Is that even possible? It's not that possible. <laughs> Especially when the office was in the home. Yes, for a while our office sure. was, was in our a part of our house, yes. Um, look, I think ultimately we chose this very intentionally mm-hmm. and we share a very similar passion. Um we chose something that we're both interested in, that we're both gifted in. We enjoy doing the work. Um, one of the instruments at C12, the tools that they bring us through is a life balance wheel. And every month we have to kind of check ourselves and see how we're doing on the wheel. And it's very interesting to do that in front of other people with your spouse <laughs> and talk through, you know, one of the spokes on there is how your, your marriage is going and, um, you know, being able to talk about that with other people. But I think it really makes, it really makes our conversations outside of business much richer um and so as a woman in business we have a lot of women listeners that that are also executives or that are also people mm-hmm. out there they're, they're working all different kinds of jobs they want to know how to deal with the wonder woman complex you know because a lot of women want to be phenomenal at their jobs be phenomenal wives be phenomenal moms and it's tr- it's killing them from the inside out 
How did you balance that, especially with your, since you've moved to Florida with the, having to travel back and forth to New York, how have you balanced, and balance is one of those words you put in quotes because there's no such thing as balance because mm-hmm. one week it's going to go more work, mm-hmm. next week might be go more family, but how have you and Ken worked through this and how have you personally worked through that? I think first of all, it's humility, recognizing that there is no, you know, there is no superwoman and having the confidence to be able to ask for help. I mean, I've had some just incredible help. Um, my husband was a stay at home dad for 20 years and we had all kinds of support. You know, my parents help us, um, you know, here and there with different things, our people within our community help us. And, you know, initially I will say in the early stages of my career, I thought, you know, look, I can do it all. I can have it, um, all under control and and there's no such thing. And so it, it was really accepting the humility that is required in order to let other people in and kind of let all those walls down. And I think just being true to yourself, listening to the Lord, you know, ask, seek, knock, um, is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just said allowing people to help too. And that really flows over into your um, legacy in action as well, because when you allow other people to help, they get to shine. They get to use their, their skills gifts. and gifts mm-hmm. and in the way that then they um, are fulfilled. So you may be holding, actually holding somebody back by not letting them do the thing that you, <laughs> you need to give up. No, it's entirely mm-hmm. true. You make room for other people. And that's really exponential was the the word I think you used earlier. Mm -hmm. That's how you exponentially grow is to make room for other people to contribute. And you can, you know, you can tend to micromanage or be a, try to be a control person, but that really prevents other people from further developing. So let me ask for specifically our Jacksonville audience that is listening in on this conversation. Is there any way that they can get involved and help with any of your little projects you have going on? Or is it it, you doing that all inside? Oh, no, they can seek us out. Okay. (laughs) How do they get a hold of you? That's a good question. (laughs) We'll figure that one out. They can let us know. Yeah, it's a great question. We've just been growing and running so fast. I mean, we have a website, but they're for our specific businesses. And so... um, you know, it's, we'll, we'll, we're getting Are there. You on LinkedIn? Stay tuned. Are you on LinkedIn? I'm on LinkedIn. All sure. right. So find Joel Mark. It looks like Marcus, but it's really Marquis, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. Find her on LinkedIn. Reach out to her that way. There you go. Great. All right. Joel, thank you for being on I Work for Him today. Thanks, Thanks so Thanks for much. sharing your story about legacy and action. I'd like, we'd like to do the part two someday a year from now mm-hmm. when you get that website done and more more ways people can get connected with you. I look forward to it. Brett, really quick, you've got some openings in your C12 groups. Talk to us about the people that would be, that could be perfect fit. Really quick. Again, we could use some accounting professionals. We could use some uh, investment professionals, staffing agencies, uh, attorneys, uh, make great uh, great members. Uh, uh, CEOs always needing some good, wise counsel from attorneys. And, and they're going to benefit as well from hearing from other CEOs. Absolutely. C12group.com, C12group.com. And you can check it out, C12 of the Northeast Florida. Brett Kirkland, Kirkland thank you for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you, Jim. Make sure you check both these guys out online. C12group.com, a great way to get hold of Brett Kirkland. Is it C12 Northeast Florida? Is that what it is? Correct. C12NortheastFlorida.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.